Hello and welcome to the Challenging University podcast with me, your host, Tony Kent. Now, can you combine a spirit of adventure with a career in cybersecurity? Today's guest is Lara Vafiadis, a woman who has solo rode the Atlantic, completing the world's toughest row in her mid-twenties. Um, but she's also the director of sales for a cybersecurity firm. So in this episode, we're going to talk about her early beginnings, why her teachers were frustrated that she didn't go to uni, how she got out on the ocean for the first time, what it took to complete this challenge, and what's coming next. I know you're going to love this episode. There's lots of great advice for career and for life. So please let me know what you think. But in the meantime, let's get going. Hi, Lara. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for agreeing to come on the Challenging University podcast. I have been following your story very closely, but so I don't give anything away. Um, for the listeners today and the listeners to come, could you please share your full name and what it is that you currently do now? Yes, of course. Thanks, Tony, um, for having me. It's I have, I've actually been watching your podcasts for a while and I really like them. So I was like, I'm quite oh. happy that I get to kind of get in, involved now. Um, so yeah, so my name is Lara Vafiadis. Um, so currently I am director of UK and European sales at a cybersecurity company called Conceal. Um, we are a US startup. Um, I am the European arm of this uh, startup com company. Um, aside to that, I'm also a, um, a solo ocean rower. Um, so I've just, at the beginning of this year, completely completed my first um solo ocean row I like how I said first yeah there will be another one but I've kind of just said that now um so yes my my first one um so I rode from Lagomera in the Canary Islands to Antigua in the Caribbean 3,000 miles and I was out there for 98 days all by, all by myself so I'm like a cyber security salesperson and then I kind of call myself like an adventurer as well which is kind yeah. of very brutal. um but that's me in a nutshell yeah, see, now I'm thinking about, I don't know, navigating your way around, going under the radar or using mm. radar, or we'll find a way, we'll find a way to tie these things together. Um, let's, before we get into the detail on this, because there's so many questions that I have, um, mm. I want to know, the listeners would love to know, what are your memories then of secondary school? So secondary school, and I was thinking about this quite a lot over the past couple of days. Secondary school was really funny for me because I was, um, I had, I'm going to say I, I wasn't the best student, to be really honest. Um, I had just other other views of what I really wanted to do. I was just chasing boys around, I think, for most of my time. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it, it was a good mix, I think from from what I can remember and it wasn't to do with kind of exams and GCSEs and then A-levels and everything it was mostly enjoyable I was very sporty so I think from that aspect I really focused on that mostly and and then kind of when it came to the academic side I was one of those annoying children that I think teachers and I still meet them I, I met a teacher that used to teach me when I was 15 I think it was going into yeah. GCSEs and he said, you were the one of the most annoying people. And I remember you because you're really intelligent, but really you were just focused on like your sporting things. So I was always out playing hockey and netball and yeah. cricket and rugby and all of this stuff. And he, I love how he still remembers me because I'm still, not that I have quite a mem memorable name, so I could never get away with anything. Because yeah. everyone 
what's her name um but I think it was yeah it was, I was always the one that I think teachers were like if you just just did a little bit more I was like but I'm I just so I just ended up focusing on my sport but then actually I did fairly well in my GCSEs and A levels so it didn't I think it could have gone a lot better and I kind of look yeah. back now I am that person now and I talk to kind of my friends children and I'm like you do have to you know school is really important and actually it's really good if you do focus on it it's a great time and you don't have any bills yeah. to pay there's no taxes you just get told what to do every day it's brilliant um yeah. and I didn't really realize that when I when I was younger but it's yeah secondary school for me was I I did enjoy it um but I think kind of looking back maybe I should have just focused on slightly things in a slightly different way um but it's not to say that actually it's made me who the who I am today so yeah I'm intrigued to know um, how, now I know at school they don't teach ocean rowing, um, but some schools do offer like programs yeah. where you spend a couple of weeks learning to row, things like outward bound centres, um, but really team sports player, but able to be on your own. I'm interested yeah. in, is there a science behind that? Is, it, is there something about sports people, your brain that make, because I, I wouldn't have automatically, I guess, made that connection, I suppose. Yeah, potentially. I think there's, especially to do with, because I did, yeah, predominantly, I was a very much a team sport player. So it was always, I was in the hockey team, I was in the netball team, I was in the cricket team, and it was all very yeah. much just focused on that team ethos. Yeah. I think when it comes to kind of the ocean rowing thing, I think the ability to be able to kind of, I was so focused on being as good as I can within that team. Yeah. I think that realisation is actually, I can probably just do this by myself and I think I like, do quite a lot of I think also going especially when you're that age kind of going away on matches and going away to go and do kind of like team events and you're away for like a weekend or you're away for a week and you're going to play in some country or something I yeah. think it does make you very self-sufficient yeah. and still kind of being brought up with that attitude towards that kind of that sports mentality so you kind of are always trying to do better like if you're I was a, I'm really into my running so I was in like the national running athletics com like competition wow. when I was and um I think it really gives you a lot of focus for one of what you're probably capable of and I think I did yeah. I've kind of brought that into my work now and I think it's whenever I actually I interview people if someone's got like a sports back background I'm quite interested in them because I'm like, what is it? Because to to be like a sports person or to do something, if you do do well in sport, you do have to have a slightly different attitude towards um, kind of the way you're working and that focus that you can kind of try and try and get. So it's funny, you know, yeah, I spent all my doing time doing those team sports mm. and then I ended up on a boat by myself. <laughs> yes. I've had enough of you, all of you. <laughs> um, on a boat, it's fine. Uh, so academically um what what subjects did you focus on um because if you listen to some people who I believe have got things a little bit wrong mm. they'll tell you you cannot have a cybersecurity career unless you've done oh all the computer sciences and the sciences and you've got yeah. grades in maths um so <laughs> now you can tell me I did yeah math computer science um what what did you focus on at GCSE and and A levels if you did them? Uh, so the I'm going to just say broadly the arts generally. Um, mm -hmm. So I didn't do so in GCSEs. I think I had to do. I think you have to do certain science. So I had yes. I ended up doing science and maths and things. Yeah. And I did all the ones that you kind of have to do. Yeah. But then when I actually moved to A levels, genuinely I did history. Yeah. I did art. 
I did English literature and I did drama. Oh, wow. Yeah, zero maths or kind of science or anything to do with that at all. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? Um, So tell me about what it was like at home. What did your parents kind of say to you, recommend to you? Did they have a view on they thought and... I know you didn't go to uni, so I guess we talk about that. Um, <laughs> what 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 was their guidance, background, hopes for you? So I think I'm I'm probably a an interesting case in that I think at school it was very much you have to go to university. However, yeah. because of my so my dad um, he had he put up a very successful career. Um, but at school, he was basically just regarded as they just thought he was a massive idiot. The reason being, he was really dyslexic, yeah. Um, and he couldn't do so. He was incredibly intelligent, but yeah. if you look at kind of this is kind of way back in the nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, nineteen seventies, if you weren't able to kind of do um, kind of English things in a certain way or math things in a certain in a yeah. certain way, they didn't understand that kind of different way of working within. Like his, his when he was an incredibly intelligent man. Yeah. So I think once he realised that he got a long way in his career and set up a company that's still running today, it's he didn't do that anything without, there's no higher education there. That's just life experience that that kind of got him there. And he always used to, used, to, used to tell us, and I don't know how relevant it is, but I still think, think about it. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And this is like yeah. a constant thing in my head when I'm meeting people kind yeah. of making connections I just call it making friends because I like to yeah. make a lot of friends in a lot of different different areas because it's just yeah. you never know when someone's going to come back to it and yeah. um, so it's it is one of those things that when we were at home I think from that time when you're kind of figuring out in uh, A-levels and kind of everyone's discussing whether they're going to go to Oxbridge and yeah. all these amazing universities for, for us and this is kind of across the board because I'm um there's, I'm one of four four children yeah my two older siblings did go to uni university because they because they want that they wanted to but it was never a case of you have to go to university there was never like this thing that because he didn't he was like you don't have to he he did incredibly well without having to go and he knows that it doesn't suit everyone Mm. so I think in that case I was fairly lucky I think my mom was always as being of of an ilk of you just do what you want to do and you find your passion and if it's working here or doing that then do that don't feel like you have to kind of follow the crowd which is quite nice because it's kind of what I've obviously not really followed the crowd um in what in yeah. what I've done it was it was quite a refreshing um kind of way to be brought up especially because there's all that pressure so it was quite yeah. nice going home and not having it yeah it's fantastic um what did your when you sat your a-levels um mm. afterwards what 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 did your sixth form or your careers guidance or t- what did they think you should be doing what did they suggest to you might like to do so I remember and I actually found this really recently going through some of my old things we did like that career advisory uh, <laughs> yeah and it's like you have to say what all your stuff and then and then they, they come back saying oh, we think you'd be really good at this job and you should go and yeah. um, do this. so it came back um that basically I should either go and work in um it, it was like an art literature and art, um, art historian thing or okay. a um something to do with just history archaeology seemed to be quite a big a big thing and um so I should go and do this or I should go and do yeah. this because I've just basically they were like we've just taken the fact that I do art and, art and history and kind of put yeah. it put it together yeah. um I think I do remember, remember reading it and kind of going 
okay I don't I don't really I don't really I mean I don't really want to do that but thanks it was quite nice meeting you kind of thing it wasn't it didn't really help me and I do remember kind of having conversations with my um sixth form tutor that we used to have every week and we kind of talk about um the future and kind of universities and what we were planning on doing and I remember being sat there and everyone's like I'm gonna go to like someone who's gonna go to Durham and do this and yeah and they, all these people are going to Oxford and Cambridge and this is this amazing and I used to be sat there going <laughs> I, don't, I don't really I don't really want to go I don't really want to go to any spaces and I and I think when I realized I was like if I'd go to university and they suggested that I go and do art or they suggested that I go and do art history I was like what's it I'd, I'd probably have a lovely time yeah and I probably enjoy it but what, what what was the actual what was the the reason for it and I was like I can't I didn't really understand it and I didn't really get that feeling of going I have to go to university I think yeah. my six students get quite annoyed with me in that yeah. I just would, wouldn't kind of they're like yeah you have to fill in all your forms and do you yeah know, um oh what's that document you called? Pass. You pass. yeah but yeah there we go yeah. and I was I remember doing it and kind of going I just don't I don't know I don't there was no reason for it I didn't get that kind of feeling I'm kind of going this is what I really want to do I'm really excited to go and do art or English literature or any, or any of these things so yeah I was the odd one out what did you do then so um I when I left, left school I was kind of thinking um you know what what am I going to do I basically wanted to go and earn and learn a, learn a skill yeah. um so I I actually ended up working at Waitrose for a, sh- yeah. a short while when I was playing <laughs> it was a great discount at the uh, time yeah um, but actually, I, I remember speaking to my dad and having quite an in-depth conversation saying, I want to be able to have something that I'm, I, it's a skill that I would like to earn money on and I would yes. also just have my life experience. So yeah. I ended up actually going training as a yacht, a yacht skipper. So I'd sailed since I was about two. Uh, um, right. Okay. Because I was, <laughs> how do you go? I thought you were going to yeah. say, I had to become a, a, a specialist cheese person in Waitrose. <laughs> um, right. So. Yeah. So I, um, I mean the waitress thing was great and I think my mum really appreciated <laughs> the uh, discount as well but it was um, yeah. I, I I loved I already knew I loved being on on the ocean I did a lot right. of sailing when I was younger there's yeah. like a picture of me when I was two on yeah. the helm of a boat and I genuinely right. pull the same like face now when I'm sailing and I find it what, hilarious what is it <laughs> it's like a really it's like a concentrating face when I'm like <laughs> it's like a grimace um so yeah so it was I knew that I kind of wanted to use that and right. my dad um bless him I think he was focused he maybe thought one of us was going to go into the army maybe follow him and do some things and I thought no I don't really want to do that so um yeah we kind of came up with this thing saying if I could go and train and actually uh, earn my ticket to kind of get my yeah. qualification my crew my day skipper and then I eventually became a yacht master so right. I was 21 when I became a yacht master so that's a fully fledged that's young it is young and it's it it was a mixture of I thought I had a lot of experience because I'd done a lot of sailing in those years to get that um yeah. yacht skipper license. but in fairness trying to get a job being a mm-hmm. yacht skipper when you're 21 years old People are kind of like, I want you to look either really old. I, I need you to be a man, or I, yeah. need, I, I kind of they in their head when they think of like a yacht skipper, they want you to look like Captain Birdseye. Captain Is Birdseye. <laughs> that's the like that's the description. They want me to be like a big like fisherman's jumper. Yeah. And I should be some kind of weathered um fifty-eight year old man, basically. Big sausage fingers. Yes. And then I turn up and they're like, yeah. 
you're going to take my like, yeah yeah i'm going to take your yacht across i'm fully qualified and i have all the qualifications but taking their four million pound yacht across the atlantic ocean they'd be like okay you're like you're younger than my daughter kind of thing but it was how, it, how did you counter that out of interest really really hard i think when i when i found a couple of people that were actually confident enough with me to say yes I, i'd have to show them probably all of the like, the documents saying this is where i've been these are all the miles i've done these are the yeah. other people that i've taken their, their boats across it basically arrived and it was sparkling and it was lovely and they had no yeah. issues i think i had to prove myself a lot more than if i was a man of a certain even just any man of a, of a certain yeah. age so well i I think um, and something that does come up is is that fact of for women in many industries, it mm. has to not only qualify in the same way that anyone else has to qualify, but you then have yeah. to prove yourself. You have to prove that you're worthy of the certificate that you got, even mm. though you spent hours and hours and hours at the and actually the training. So in gaining your is it, is it certification? In, yeah. So it's the um, RYA Yacht Master. So it's the highest qualification you can get in sailing. And so um, thinking about, for me, I'm thinking, oh, my God, charts and navigation and measuring things and the the qualities and the kind of um, intelligence and and the the capabilities that you need to have to be able to do that. Now, why do your teachers were annoyed with you? (laughs) she should have been a bloody yeah. a-star student <laughs> i was just out like playing or something or just running around yeah but you're you are obviously wired in that way and it intrigues me that whilst it, I, I can see why in, in kind of academia it would be we need people that are highly intellectual highly intelligent all these things and yeah. and uh, and they probably would I don't know I'll just start rambling now but there is for me that thing of like so you didn't go to uni you're running a huge sales team for a a technology organization for a cyber specialist um and you were a yacht skipper at age 21 and you didn't have to have a first in engineering or science Mm. or math to do that yeah yeah yeah. God. It, wow. I think what it and I think you're you're right. I think what it comes down to, and the one that I think seems to interest me the most, I think it's that aspect around that problem solving. So mm. when you're it's surprising when you're on obviously you've got all the information, if when you're on that yacht and you're deciding whether to go like east or west, and it's like it's a case of either missing a massive storm that's gonna completely take take you out, or you're reading the weather and you kind of you're, you're making decisions that are based on yeah some fairly good data but also you just have to try and figure out what's the best thing to do i think it's that problem solving is an aspect of risk taking that i think yeah is kind of key and i think it's also within sales and what i do now is very much focused on that so i am trying to find ways to obviously help my customers but also yeah. take risks in, in a certain other aspect so it's it's a funny one because i think it's i do i uh, i call myself and i don't normally admit it i am a bit of a closet geek so yeah. i do like the tech yeah. I do like learning about the tech and I've only yeah. realized this in in the years now where I'm like actually it's a very I like kind of getting in and kind of getting involved and kind of deeping like deep diving into all these different things and how it works and aspects yeah. of kind of all the different bits especially around cyber because it's it's the sexiest bit in tech right it's the you know yeah. we can't really do that. so it's 
I think it is all that, but it's funny how it's kind of come back around and I'm like, oh, I actually do really enjoy all these things now. And and like you say, sexy and still yet to be fully explored, like the yes. ocean. Um <laughs> how I've got the tan rowing than I do working there normally. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um you get your license, do a certification. Uh mm. Where do you go, having like earned your your skipper? Do you yeah. go straight out to sea, or are you taking sitting behind a desk work as well? What what kind of brings you forwards? Yeah, so I did I'm a mixture of a couple of things. So I um I spent a few years just kind of meandering around the this the sailing world. So you kind of go from boat to boat. You're kind of doing freelance de- deliveries. I did some racing. Um, yeah. I just met a lot of people and got a lot of life experience. And I think that's what yeah. and I, I I loved it. It was a really good way to kind yeah. of grow up in like kind of my early 20s. I think genuinely I, I came home. It was summer. I think I was maybe 25. I can't really remember to that, that kind of age. And I I kind of realized that I needed to, to either in my way I described it was get a proper job. Like get like a <laughs> Because I was like, I've just been having a lovely time because I was genuinely enjoying it. And I was like, mm. I kind of need to come back and kind of go, am I going to do this for the next 15 years? Or am I actually going to try and find something that's going to suit me and kind of bring me back kind of nearer home yeah. and get a proper job? Was, and I think I, that's what I used to say <laughs> to my parents. Um, so I did, I, I kind of came back and I, I, I really went, what am I actually good at? And I was like, well, I, I've got all these skills around sailing, but they're so niche. How am I going to use it? I think it's the yeah. aspect around people that then kind of brought, brought me back around to just sales. So I genuinely uh, started and I got my first sales job. I worked for a, um, a tech company initially and then I moved into art dealing. So I was selling fine art. So I was almost like kind of coming back to what I was doing at school and I was really enjoying it. So I was an art dealer for a, um, like an art company in, in the yeah. UK and then um, realized I was quite good at that. I quite enjoyed the sales thing. I then moved on to houses so I worked for like an estate agency, realized I had, I'm sorry, all the estate agents, I had too many morals to be an estate agent. So I, <laughs> I, I, I basically left. I'm really sorry. It was lovely, but I just couldn't, you know. Um, so I, and then I actually, I moved and then back into tech. And then I had a friend who worked at Cisco. Yeah. And I remember um, kind of looking through, and I, um, I remember looking through the the advert, and I've I found one recently for Cisco. It was a really, it was like the most junior position you could get in Cisco. Yeah. So it was a virtual sales account manager. They used to call them VSAMs. Yeah. To be a VSAM, um, yeah. it was like either you needed to. So it was very clear you must have a degree. You're either a graduate with a two one or or better. You need to be this. You need to have so many um, years of experience in it. And I was like, this is the junior. This is the most junior position yeah. you can get into, and you're still requiring all of this in- information. Yeah. So I sent in a bit of a kind of a speculative um, yeah. CV and said, look, I'm I haven't got all these, but I I you know it was basically just my sailing CV with a couple of additions because yeah. I spent so long doing doing that. And I remember having kind of that initial first conversation with the recruiter. And it, it may have changed now, but it was very much she, she was she was kind of not. It felt like she was kind of slightly fobbing me off in one of those things yeah. because I, I didn't fit the qualifications. And she said, genuinely, I've kind of phoned you up because I found your CV really interesting. And that's normally how it happens. So I was like, I'm kind of giving you a bit of a, a, a bit of a chance. So I had a, a great chat with her. She's like, I'm going to have to talk to the hiring manager because you yeah. don't have with the things that we re- really need to even put you forward for a, an interview. 
thankfully I think when she's spoken to the hiring manager and she's kind of went oh she's 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 got something kind of different about her they mm-hmm. did give me an interview and then I had one phone interview and then they called me in and um about a week before this the a face-to-face interview they sent me loads of documents they were like right you need to do a a role play you need to do this yeah. this and this you need to, this is completely new to me yeah um, okay so I made, um, and I've still got it because I found it recently. I made a whole document like I was working for Cisco. I right. mocked it out. I brought it with with me. I I gave it to them, and they were like, "Okay." <laughs> this is, and I, I acted like it. it was it was the first the first time I met them. I just acted like I was their account manager, and and they were the end the end user. Mm. And I think it was. I just kind of fully went in there. Where, you know, there's no, I, I can't. There's nothing for me to lose here. I'm not gonna get any worse in my, in my situation um but also if I take a chance to kind of be a little bit different um yeah. then they'll kind of look at me differently so I literally I, I I did the interview kind of mock meeting role play I kind of yeah. pitched a couple of you know value bits around Cisco and yeah. then they stopped it and they were like yeah so no, yeah, we, we really like we 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 were like we were we were kind of intrigued about how you were going to be because you don't have any of the things that we, we would normally look for. But the way you yeah. come in there, approached it in a completely different way. I think it was quite yeah. refreshing. So they, I think they offered me in the room um, wow. for, that, for that role, and I came out going, "Okay, I have to move." <laughs> was my initial thing because I was living right. somewhere else, and then I had to move closer to um, the Bedford Lakes office. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not, yeah and I was I was like where am I where was like where am I gonna live um yeah. so I, I basically moved and just that was that's what got me started it was just a I think it was again just thinking differently and kind of having a different attitude towards it um and that's got me that that first role in Cisco within nine months I'd got um promotion I was then BT account manager within Cisco and then I just yeah. I just moved and uh you made me think about because some of those interview processes and I think well, it's funny because I thought a lot of it had changed, but I hear that some of it hasn't. Um, but the thing I never had to do, which I'm so glad of, but became a real thing was like group interview scenarios. And then they yeah. put them together with other people that are interviewing for the role and they send half of them home, yeah. which is awful. But one of the exercises is something like you're stranded at sea. So you would have walked it. I love that. <laughs> Why have I not done that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like- it is those weird things I think I've I've had um I think I've been fairly lucky with mental I've had a couple of times where I've been interviewed literally um I think I had about eight interviews and then I ended up didn't getting the job and I thought that was completely insane I kind of remember kind of going that was that was too many interviews for then officially yeah. they're kind of like oh they I think it was like they, it was like an internal hire or some kind of thing but it's um yeah. whole interview process I really struggle with because it's mm. I think, and I've been, because I've now been interviewing a lot more myself, I think yeah. I see people and obviously you, you kind of, the things that people say and I'm kind of, I, all I want them to do is kind of have a, a very safe space for them to be who they are. And I think yeah. if you have a very strict kind of way of interviewing and it's, you can have someone that's really far back on their chair and they're kind of just like, they're yeah. not really engaged. You're yeah. not, if people are nervous, you're not going to get the best kind of, you're not going to get the best of them out of it. And it's, it's a, it's a funny one and I really hope I think I've got some quite good feedback from people that I've hired mm. I'm obviously very fr- I'm very friendly I'm very smiley I just try I, I kind of give them the space to just say what they want to say and kind of be who, yeah. be who they are um yeah rather than have a very like 
stern look on my face like I'm just going to read some questions and then tick some boxes and (laughs) do you um out of interest because you answered a question that I would normally ask which is kind of how do your experiences impact your hiring do you Mm. work with external agencies at all or do people apply to you directly both I think ideally so I've I'm quite um what would they say I I do to quite a lot of kind of outreach to certain certain people so if I have people that I've worked with before I then go and say to come over here um yeah. sorry everyone, I'm not going to say anything um but it's I think it is a mix I find I find that some of the companies that tend to be I don't get a very good experience working with some agencies but then again I have had a very good experience working with others it's a very yeah. mixed bag um, I was intrigued to know if how if if that impacts how you would steer an agency for example yeah. like the kind of attributes quality skills that you're looking for I think it can be, it, you can be stuck. And I'm going to say this for generally kind of just looking at a CV. I think if you're, mm. if a CV in general, and you haven't kind of hit some of the words that they want to see, mm. I know for for, for for like for fact, they are losing great candidates because maybe they just haven't kind of looked at it in a slightly different way. I think, again, yeah. it's having that different way of thinking, approaching things in a slightly different way. And you'd be yeah. surprised at candidates that are just sat there going, okay, actually, we probably do need to talk, talk to this person. Um, I think some of the ones that I've done recently and and then and then hired I think on paper probably if I'd looked at them and actually I, I would have probably chosen the wrong the wrong one maybe and I think having the interview process and kind of having this very open and safe space for them to kind of just be who, who they are I think has then helped me and it just and then I think it also makes them more invested in what they're actually trying to do so when they do work kind of start working for you I, I know the like the ones that are I've hired they are they're incredibly enthusiastic they're just really happy in the kind of the way that the process has has kind of gone I needed to make it a very um positive process and kind of not be this kind of negative connotations around um what can happen and also just not getting not getting back to people who who interviewed and this is my bugbear of all if someone has bothered to as in as there and they've interviewed you and then there's no response from the company even the recruiter I have no words for that. It's yeah. so, I was like, why? Why you they like they're there, they've taken the time. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. If, if there's a way of kind of going, actually there, there, there isn't a good fit here, but we really appreciate your time or something yeah. rather than silence. It's just mm. oh, yeah, I can't deal with that. Um, what took you back to see because I found you with this girl, Rose? Yes. Yeah. That's me. Tech to the ocean what happened <laughs> um I mean I was just fed up of zoom calls is that is that what it's the best <laughs> yeah. um, it's so it was a funny one I think from um I was working within VMware I think when I um kind of had this idea of wanting to do something slightly slightly different and the it was more to do with around raising money for charity so the charities that, that I chose they were quite um emotionally connect, connected for me so it was the, the prostate cancer uk charity specifically um my father passed away just before i left for the row last year oh wow i was in um actually it's a year tomorrow which is which is which is crazy but it is um oh. it was in september i was raising money for prostate cancer but he got diagnosed oof, 2016 2017 i think okay. it was um yeah. so it was quite a um a shock for all of us but it was also my brain went right what what are we going to do let's let's go and do this yeah. and he 
always wanted to go and sail around around the world that was his big plan that was his thing um and it was it was still up until um be- the beginning of last year we were still kind of planning it and kind of looking at looking at sailing boats and looking at all all, the, all all these things and it was only when you know anyone who's obviously been around cancer it seems to just something happens and they just go yeah. down very very quick quickly yeah. so in august and september so he passed away in se- september mm. i think the bit for me i think obviously being within vmware and vmware is a, a fantastic company and they, they do a lot for their employees so i was very well um from like a mental health standpoint i was very very well yeah. looked after but i yeah. kind of said then i was like i want to do something big i want to raise money for the, the these charities yeah. and it has to be sea related because i think i i miss being on the ocean i miss having yeah. freedom and just kind of yeah. being surrounded by water i I think a lot of people say they find that terrifying when they've got water around them and there's, and there's no land. I find it the most exhilarating feeling in the world because it's just, yeah. you know, it's just just you and it just, it makes for a very s- simple life. So yeah, I signed yeah. up my 30th birthday actually. So that would have been um, November, 2019 was when I officially signed, signed up. And then it was yeah. three years of, of, of prep, which was um, crazy. And then literally on December the 12th last year um, was when I started, started <laughs> And it is, is uh, I guess other whiskies are available. Talisker, is that right? Is it yeah, a- I think it was. I think they've stopped. I think it's normally called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. I think right. they aren't sponsoring it anymore. But I think last year was the last year because it was their ten year anniversary. I think of sponsoring an ocean row. So I was, okay. yeah, I was the last one. So it was called the Talisker Whiskey Atlantic Challenge. I think it's now rebranded as the World's Toughest Row. I think is what it's ah. called. Wow. So having done the world's toughest row, um, did, were you, uh, were there a number of you who applied to, for the opportunity to take the challenge? How does that work? Did you it's signed a, up but yeah so you, it's basically it's how um how how crazy you're kind of feeling um the way <laughs> it works is that you kind of like, there's it's a basically just a like an entry fee so you have yeah. to then raise sponsorship raise right. funds yeah. pay for the entry fee and then to pay to pay for the boat the actual race itself costs about a hundred thousand pounds um which is like a shocking i i have anyone is able to raise funding for companies like and yeah. i of the utmost because it's really hard um yeah. and this is a very specific thing so it's yeah so I, I I had to just raise money so that's that's the main thing if you're able to raise um the money and get your boat and make sure you're you're prepared there's a lot of different um because I guess I was lucky because I've got all my qualifications so it wasn't anything yeah. additional I had to do yeah but it's all to do with um kind of just making sure that the boat was ready I'm physically ready I think that was never people always ask me that's the worst thing they're like oh you must have done so much physical training I was like yeah that's genuinely the easy bit because it's like you if you if you're kind of doing this you're probably already doing something anyway you're probably in the gym or kind of doing that yeah. exercise the bit that's really hard is the is the mental aspect so kind of knowing that yeah. you're going to be out there for so long specifically obviously for a solo you're out there alone yeah. and if anything goes wrong you can't just ring someone up to come and get them to fix your boiler or something or fix <laughs> the thing or any of these things because it just means you you have you have to figure it out yeah. so i think that's the main thing and the main aspect of what I had to really focus on especially kind of losing my dad so close to to the race was kind of having that aspect of going right mentally how is this going to affect me how am I going to feel when I'm alone and I'm grieving for all all these and then and then there's a massive storm and all all these kind of things so it's yeah you can sign up and you've got you've got the funding 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're, if you're crazy enough, take, take it on. <laughs> do, do you feel in any way that um, having, like you say, your, your, your dad died just, just before, did, did the row help you process your grief in a way, having that focus and something that he loved and knew you were going to do? And yeah. how, how do you feel about that? It's a um, it's one that I've kind of really so since coming back. So I came back to the UK on April the first. So I've been back for about five months now. Um, I think since being back, I've had to maybe really look at how I was during the row, and I think it did. It was an aspect of it did really help me kind of being alone for that for that long because I kind of got every emotion possible. I, I could cry all day while rowing and yeah. no one would actually see. Um, yeah. But I think it did give me, it gave me space to kind of really understand and kind of think about everything that he would want me to do, what I want to do going, going forward. And just, it gave me a really, I don't know what the word is, just a different aspect on what I wanted to do in mm. life, I think. Um, and I'm not, and I've said this before, I think in an interview, I'm, I'm inherently not a religious person and I'm mm. I was I went to Catholic school. It's probably the reason yeah. why I'm not religious now. Yeah. Um, but it is um I genuinely, I think for those 98 days, I felt my I thought my dad was on the boat with me for the 98 days because I just yeah. it kind of there was something around it that I knew I was in his environment. I was on the yeah. ocean, the place that he loved to be, and then I was with with him. Um yeah. it's like it gave me more time yeah. with him. And I'm gonna hold it together and not get emotional, but it's um it, it did it kind of it, it now allowed me the space that I would never have had at, at home to kind of deal with the a, a huge loss in my life so it was yeah it was one of those things that it was like a it was a blessing to have the time alone um yeah. I have wanted him there and obviously that the ideal situation is he's still here and he saw me finished but he did see me finish in a roundabout way and he was with me the entire time and he gave me a little bit of extra strength I think that maybe I possibly wouldn't have had before yeah it's just I don't know it's something very beautiful in mm. that just feeling like you say that he's there and you're carrying him and he's holding you um yeah yeah it was it um, was a very it, it yeah. helped really really did it helped yeah mm. and you had a partner waiting at home for you or waiting yes. in Antigua to collect yeah. you, <laughs> collect yeah. you, like collected you from the Let's go home. Um, <laughs> tell me how it felt returning to dry land, to people, mm-hmm. to not being something that's moving the whole time. Uh, um, what was that like? I think, well, physically, it was a disaster. I couldn't walk for <laughs> a while. Um, really I think honestly I was walking around when I got off the boat and I was walking around Antigua I think people just thought I was either really drunk like she's <laughs> having the time of her life because I couldn't walk in a straight a straight line they'd be like oh she's having a great time yeah and my partner and my mum would be like no she's just row the Atlantic and they were like oh she, she's a rower okay it's fine we, we completely understand yeah. um so I think it's that physically it was very strange because like my body got so used to moving like 24 seven and kind of not being on solid ground. I think mentally, and I still struggle with this being so many different noises, so many different people having to just come back and kind of have a very, I came back with, it was a proper kind of 
I came back with a bit of a bump because it's like properly going back into work and life having been so having such a simple life for nearly three months yeah back to kind of normal work and kind of having to talk to people Mm. I still find very strange I can be sat in I did an event in in Amsterdam and I'm sat in this massive room and I've got to go on and talk to all these people and I'm like I don't think I would have I, and I get kind of anxiety I think a little bit it's kind of just being with that many people in that in that kind of kind of space as well being in big spaces like a big auditorium when yeah. actually I was used to being in my tiny boat that I could just this was my world mm-hmm. so that has been a real um it's been interesting to see how I've been coping with it and I think there's also been an element of kind of again reflecting on how I was trying to use all the, all the little bits of information and what I learned about myself during the row and kind of bringing it forward. Um, yeah. But just being around people and kind of noises and things that I just hadn't had for, for so long was very, very strange. It's crazy though how you say to me, I had such a simple life. <laughs> I can think of anything more complicated than solo rowing across the And ocean. it sounds so silly when I say it and I, and I completely get that. And I was like, it, in my mind, I was like, all I need to do is basically I need to row, I need to eat and I need to sleep. Row, eat, sleep, sleep. And that's all I did. And I was like, yeah. this is great. Like there's no, there's no one responding to me on emails requiring yeah. something immediately or anything or, te- or even like phones, like kind of social media and phones that I just, yeah. again, not having to kind of be that connected with the world. I was, yeah. it was, it was, it was like refreshing. It was one of those things that yeah. I actually got back and kind of went, I don't need to be on my phone. Like, why am I on my phone? Like, I didn't, I didn't, I yeah. didn't need it for three months. Why yeah. do I now sit on my phone and scrolling through LinkedIn? I would say like Twitter, but it's not Twitter anymore, but it's all, all, all those ones that I kind of just go, why? So I do, yeah. I have like just reflecting kind of going, if I didn't need it, need it then. Why do, why I, do I need it now? Yeah. And, um, going to ask it how it fit in my head why did you get a proper job again <laughs> I mean I asked myself this many many times over in a week when it's like the end of quarter um, yeah oh god yeah yeah uh, I think in my mind I don't know why I think it's that 25 26 year old mind of kind of feeling I should be doing something more adult like more official I should have a I should have a title <laughs> with a laptop and yeah. something rather than just yeah. I I just wore my shorts and a t-shirt and that and that was my yeah. life for a while and it was I did and I, I I do look back and go well I could have just carried on because I loved it so much but I wouldn't now change what I do now for the world because I, yeah. I I love it I love working in like specifically cyber sales and kind of being in this environment and having all yeah. these things all the new because we're at like the forefront of technology there's nothing that's moving quicker yeah so yeah I do look back occasionally when I'm having a a bad forecast call but it's it's still (laughs) all entwined with that kind of element of going I've obviously used everything that I learned when I was younger and through the sailing to kind of get me where I am now so it's um I'm happy that I came back and went I need to get a proper job I love also that you've got that kind of blend of saying I'm going to have an adventure I'm going to apply some skills I learned I'm going to take on an enormous challenge I'm going Mm. to put myself out there because whilst you were not on your phone scrolling social media was pretty busy like sharing your exploits yeah (laughs) um so I think there's something fantastic in there in terms of demonstrating that it is possible to pursue a passion Mm. and have that 
link in with work that you may choose to do professionally and and that enhancing um, your usefulness, attractiveness, the skills that you have to an organization. It doesn't preclude you from, she said, it doesn't preclude you from being a, a sales director. The fact that you um, did your solo row um, and, if, and if anything, it, it gives you something extra to bring mm. to the organization. Yeah. Um, I think there's like perspective that I wouldn't have had before massively. Yeah. yeah. So what's next? Royal Navy going to snap you up? They go, we need that woman to sort yeah. out our site. Because things like this for me, I'm like cybersecurity, protecting national assets, protecting our mm. waters. It's all now intertwined, isn't it? It's indeed. Yeah, it is indeed. I think there's, um, I'm not, I think the what's next thing, I think there's, I'm not sure. I know that, like I say, I've, I've got from a rowing perspective, I have another challenge. Mm. Um, whether I can say it on here. <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> no, it's I mean, entirely no, your no, Okay, so I, I can I can broadly say so there's no the next challenge no woman has ever done this solo before ever so, and this is because of various reasons in that it's fairly fairly challenging it's more challenging than any other row that I could possibly yeah. do um the weather is awful okay. it's it's cold um okay. it's it's one that you don't normally do because there's lots of reasons why not to um okay so that's where I, I go okay let's do it so yeah. that's yeah that's in the that's in the works um yeah. and I will be uh yeah kind of I'm well I'm actively looking for new sponsors for for that one um great but I think from like a like a career perspective I think I'm so again I think where I am now I would never have imagined I was here six years ago or so yeah. um but I can only kind of see that I can now use everything everything that I've taken the company that I'm in yeah. and just just carry on and kind of grow and kind of just be I don't know just take all this kind of little bits of human nature that I've kind of then had to kind of take on and the emotional side and the empathetic side that I'm trying to bring into sales I think that's yeah. what I'm trying to do so fantastic well I will make sure that all of your um whether your LinkedIn um mm. link is in the show notes so that people can find out what you're up to and sponsor you um what would you as a kind of parting piece of advice if if there are people that are going you know I would like to do something similar um yeah. or I would like to find a way to combine my passion with work what would your um, kind of advice to them be I think very simply I think finding first finding your 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 passion because a lot of people still maybe struggle on, on finding that or don't really understand that they can still find something that they are really focused on and also have a, a career as well I think yeah. I'm um I'm a good example of basically I'm not specifically for kind of doing sporting or adventure things I'm not an athlete in any sense of the word um <laughs> I just have I just have a bone in my body that basically goes I can do this yeah and I think it's having that a little yeah. bit of self-belief and especially for women and having a little bit of self-confidence self-belief and knowing that if you really want to focus on something and you're and you've got that as a plan for if it's a row or if it's a marriage and anything that you really want to focus yeah. on 
having that bit of self-belief gets you so far and yeah. it really shows and it shows in your work as well if you if you have that kind of and it's I know it's hard to find and the, and that how I managed to find it was just constantly putting myself out there going what can I do what is there anything I can make myself and I, I want to focus on this can I make myself better and just taking trying to speak to as many pe- people as possible and that's basically what I did and I think I got to a point where I went oh I can I can do this I can I can, and I can make this and I, as I focus on it and I can do it and it's as simple as that I say some simple as that but it's I know it's something that and I talk about this and I, I do a couple of um like talks and kind of and yeah I've got into it and I've spoken to you about about this before and I think I spoke and I, I remember saying this to you I spoke to a really amazing group of WI um yeah. in my local area and I loved them they were just yeah. And I remember trying to describe to them, I said, what I really want you all to do is basically act as your own wing woman. Yeah. And like, what? <laughs> it's like, okay, <laughs> woman, I was like, can you, <laughs> I tried to explain it. I was like, if you ever have been out with your friend and yeah. there's a guy there and you're trying to build your friend up because actually your friend really likes the guy or something, yeah. or they're like, they just want to build up that little bit of self-confidence. I was like, do that for yourself. Yeah. I was like, be that person so that you can, build yourself up see all those amazing things that they're able to achieve and do and be and that's how it starts it's kind of having that little bit of confidence within you to go okay yeah that's like let's let's do this and then know like all like specifically all the women around you are just we're like the biggest cheerleaders there are and we will Mm. support you and we will help and it's like I'm very happy I have women messaging me constantly saying I want to get into this or we want to do this so I will do anything to try and help them because that's what I want I want people to have that environment that they can just go I want to go and do this what do you think yes do it yes yeah well I'm like 100% like (laughs) like proud to be a supporter of yours um and and thank you for being a supporter of mine thank you coming on the podcast um and sharing your story and i will put the comments in the uh, i'll put the in the link for people to find you that they can Mm. sponsor you on your next big adventure that would be lovely that would be very useful (laughs) thank you